Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. All right, we are back for another episode of Blue Jays Nation Radio. As you can tell, I am not Tyler Uremchuk. I am Cam Lewis, and I am hosting today because Tyler's so sick of the Blue Jays. He's so over it. He's so unable to watch this team continue to blow leads and lose games that he has given up, and he has handed it over to me. I am hosting. We'll see how this goes. I've got Brendan Kuhn with me. We are going to break down what just happened as the Blue Jays got swept by the New York Yankees. Tell me, BK, how do you feel after that sweep? Are you feeling good? Uh, no, not feeling good. Uh, <laughs> after the last series, I was angry. I had heat. I had venom. This series was just resignation. We see the Giancarlo Stanton home run today to take the lead. And I just kind of shrugged my shoulders. and like, yep, that makes sense. This is where we're at. So, um, yeah, no, not feeling good, uh, but the venom and anger and heat uh, is much less so, and I'm just sad. <laughs> that's, that, that's one thing I will say about this series. At least the extreme pain got out of the way at the very beginning, and then it was progressively not as bad as time went along, I think. The Tuesday game was definitely the worst, and by the time Thursday rolled around, wasn't that bad. Plus, also, we've already dealt with it against Boston. It was like, you know, you had those two hideous meltdowns and it's like at this point what do you expect so we're gonna do very things a little bit sorry go ahead yeah it was very predictable how this particular game the thursday game was gonna play out it just it happened exactly like you would have figured and uh yeah we just we all knew it was coming so we're gonna do things a little bit differently this time we have a slightly different version of three up three down in which i am going to be mr negative which is very easy i'm giving myself the easy job I'm going to come in with three negatives and then we're going to talk about all that. And then Brendan's going to be nice, positive ray of sunshine guy. Like he always is. And he's going to give us three positives somehow. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to try and you're going to finish things off with some nice stuff. So as always, uh, Tyler's giving me an uh, ad copy to read. It is that three up, three down as always is brought to you by twig and berries. Um, head over to twig and you can get free shipping on your order of over $75. And if you type in the promo code NATION15, you will get 15% off whatever you want. 
So that's a fantastic deal. We have Father's Day coming up. I don't know if you can get anything delivered to you by Sunday, but you can try your best or just give your dad a late gift. That is fine. These things happen. That's life. You can say you were so disoriented by the Toronto Blue Jays, you forgot to buy a gift. And that's why it's a week and a half late. But head over to Twig and Berries and buy yourself something nice. Anyways, we are going to start with the downs. And the first down from this series is the first game. That featured Hyunjin Ryu putting together a start that wasn't his best. He went six innings and allowed thir- three earned runs. They were carrying a 5-3 lead, and then Anthony Castro came in and imploded. The second down was game two on Wednesday. Ross Stripling actually picked, pitched extremely well. We really enjoy new Ross. He's quite good. But then Gary Sanchez launched a two-run home run, and the Blue Jays couldn't come back. They had an absolutely bizarre ninth inning in which they stranded runners on second and third with nobody out. I think that's probably the first time in Blue Jays history that's ever happened. I can't think of an instance in which the Jays had guys on second and third with nobody out and didn't end up catching in the runs. Can't remember, but that happened. And then the third game, TJ Zoic was exactly how you'd expect him to be. They carried a four three lead, but then again, we had a Anthony Castro slash Tim Meza implosion. So those are our three downs. What are your thoughts on, let's start with the first game. Hyunjin Ryu wasn't in his best. Is there anything to worry about here? I mean, he has had a few kind of eh starts in a row. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, and he, he battled, uh, which was good. I mean, he, you know, he, he got some innings in there and was able to make it an okay-ish game. But just as far as the peripheral stuff, he's not striking guys out anymore. He's walking more. Like, he's not a guy who walks guys, but all of a sudden now he's walking some batters. So he doesn't seem to have his command. He doesn't seem to have his sharpest stuff. And seeing it over, strung out over multiple uh, outings a little bit concerning um, his velo did seem to be up a little bit compared to a couple before so that was good um, but yeah to see Ryu walk four guys in a game is not normal and doesn't feel right um, so yeah it'll be interesting to see him against a, a weaker opponent uh, coming up here playing Baltimore um, not a terrible hitting team but obviously not a great team and, and uh, hopefully just you know getting out of all these difficult games will help him get back on track Right. Yeah. Like I'm looking back at Hyunjin Ryu's last few starts and the last time we saw him put together a very good Ryu outing, like a 2020 Ryu outing was the Boston game on May the 18th. He went seven innings, didn't allow a run, four hits, seven strikeouts, no walks. And then after that Tampa game, uh, he allowed eight hits, six and two thirds. Can't say that was a bad start. That's fine. Yeah. Cleveland start wasn't great, only five innings, but the conditions were terrible in that one. So you'll give him right. a bit of a mulligan. Then there was Houston where he got spanked. Six earned runs. White Sox, not a good one either. Three earned and six. Yankees again, three earned and six. Are we worried about Hyunjin Ryu? Do we, uh, is this a, a thing that's going to continue? Is he going to make an adjustment? Is he getting old? Is he injured? Uh, is there anything to worry about? Yeah, I, you know, everyone likes to talk about Ryu and be like, oh, he's the guy who doesn't need the velocity and he's just an artist out there. But it goes to show, like, even even throwing 89 versus 91 makes a difference in what uh, a pitcher can get away with. Um, throwing 91 makes the changeup more dangerous. All the off-speed pitches more dangerous. So, um, yeah, there, there's a lot there that, that Ryu needs to kind of get back to. Commanding the zone and being able to pitch 90, 91 a little bit more consistently. Um I, I, I'm excited to see the Baltimore start um, and go from there. Like you said, there were a few weird factors in some of the last 
the, the games this past month, like the weather in the Cleveland game. Um, and ultimately, you know what, when it, when he's not having his best stuff, the ability to give you six innings and three runs is not the worst result in the world. So um, he, he's battled and we know he's capable of that at least, but it'd be nice to see, uh, you know, a seven, seven inning, one run game coming up here soon. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day on Tuesday, Ryu's start was good enough for the team to win. And they carried a 5-3 lead when he left. And then, you know, Anthony Castro came in and imploded. The second game didn't feature a bullpen meltdown. It was just, you know, a good start from Ross Stripling. That ended, unfortunately, as Gary Sanchez launched that two-run home run. They lost to Garrett Cole. I was really hoping that Garrett Cole was going to be bad because everyone said, you know, oh, he's not using the sticky stuff anymore, so now he's going to be terrible. But it turns out he's still good, which is very unfortunate. The interesting thing about the Garrett Cole start was he was good. Obviously he was very good. He didn't strike that many guys out. It's true. Only three, right? Was it three or was it four? I think it was three guys in eight innings. Uh, Sorry. I don't have that in front of me, but that was not a normal Garrett Cole start. That's a guy who in eight innings is going to be striking out 10, 12 batters. So um, yeah, I found that interesting. A little more contact. He wasn't getting the whiffs like he normally would. Um, but obviously, sticky stuff or not, 99 is going to play. And his off speed is going to play. Even if you lose some of the uh, spin rate and there's less movement, it's not like he's a bad pitcher with that. But he might be a little bit of a lesser pitcher, which, I mean, baby steps. Okay, that's not the worst <laughs> thing in the world. Um, if, if, you know, if uh, – you're holding him to just three strikeouts. I think there's going to be a lot of games where you score more than two runs. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. He's one of the, one of the very interesting pitchers to follow um, as baseball kind of goes through this weird, strange transition mid season of, of the rules being wiped out for, for uh, pitchers. So. And then finally we have Thursday's game, which I think both of us agree is the most predictable outcome. You know, we all saw that TJ Zoic was getting called up to make the start in place of Steven Matz, who was on the COVID IL, this was, you know, I think maybe some people might've wanted to see Nate Pearson here probably wasn't going to happen. You know, they're going to let him figure it out in AAA. So, so he came up, he did his thing, pitched a few innings. Wasn't very good. The Jays again, though, the bats were fine. They, by the time the sixth inning rolled around, they were winning the game four to three. And then the Yankees came out in the seventh and exploded on Anthony Castro slash Tim Meza. They allowed four runs in the seventh, and then Jeremy Beasley was allowing another run in the ninth to kind of kill any chance of a rally. I don't know if we actually expected a rally, but regardless, it didn't happen. So now the question is, I guess, this is on everyone's mind. This is pretty obvious. Where do you go from here with the bullpen? We now have Rafael Dolis is injured. Carl Edwards Jr. is on the 60-day injured list. What do we do now? What do we what's the solution? Is there a solution? I don't think there is. Um, the, the weird annoying answer is some of these guys will start pitching a bit better than they're pitching now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's so ugly and the team, uh, with the injuries lacks talent in the bullpen. So there, there should just be some positive regression just based on how baseball works, but otherwise they're, they're just not a great pen anyway. So, um, it still feels too early for trades. I, as much as people kind of yell and scream, do something, um, you can't just make something happen. So um, it's easy to say you'd be willing to trade, you know, uh, 50% overpay just to bring in some relievers. But um, I mean, front offices don't work like that. And they, they do need to be more calculated than a fan's going to be, um, which isn't a fun answer for people to hear. But I mean, it's June 17th. Um, teams that are willing to trade their pen arms are looking at the Blue Jays situation and they're trying to get 
the Blue Jays desperately on the phone. They want the Blue Jays to make that big overpay. Um, and not to say overpaying a, a bit is the end of the world and they shouldn't do it. Um, but there's context there. We don't know what's being asked and we don't know how um, obscene, you know, the, the ask is for a middle reliever who quite frankly is probably not going to be the big swing for the um, team season. So they're just kind of stuck. I mean, the answer here is a lighter schedule, easier opponents. Like if the Jays can go two weeks here and just hit the ball, like they can hit and pitch with their starters, like they've been pitching lately, uh, they can manage a bad bullpen and still win a lot of games. Um, and then hopefully that takes them into July and they're in position at least striking distance, the wild card. And then we start getting into trade season and trade talk and everything that comes with that. So I, I think that's the approach, which sucks. doesn't feel good because you want that answer. You want just that move that makes you feel happy about something they've done with the bullpen, but I'm not sure that's imminent. Yeah. That's pretty much what everybody wants, right? You want Ross Atkins to go, you know, 2016, right? They traded some random guy for Jason Grilly and it was lightning in a bottle. He was amazing. They, that was in late May. And that's the exception. That never happens. You know, teams don't randomly go out and acquire a reliever a month and a half before the trade deadline. It's just nothing that happens. And like you said, um, every GM in Major League Baseball right now is waiting for Ross Atkins to give them a shout and be like, uh, I need a reliever. And it's like, oh, well, okay, give us Austin Martin for, your, for our seventh inning guy. And it's like, no, that's never going to happen. There's just no way. So I guess the next thing to look at is, are there internal options that can help the Blue Jays bullpen? Because I'm looking right now at the Thunder Bisons, and they've got four guys specifically who have pitched quite well. You have Brian Baker. He's got a .66 ERA, albeit only in 13.2 innings. Uh, Connor Overton was one of those random guys they signed where I think it was one of those pitch ninja situations where he put a promo video of himself up and got some traction. They signed him. He's killing it. 0.73 earned run average in 24 and two thirds innings. Kirby Snaid, uh, another fantastic um, 1.04, 17 innings. And then Hobie Harris, 1.93 ERA in 14 innings. It's like, these guys are killing it in AAA, but you know, are they going to come up and do well at the big league level? I mean, it's also another challenge. None of these guys are on the 40 man. So are you just DFAing people? Are you putting more guys on the 60 day injured list? Like, can any of these guys be a solution you think? Yeah, I, I'd imagine they might start dipping into that crop. And they've already done it with Saucedo, who finally got into a game about a week after his call-up today. Um, but the weird thing about AAA this year is all the reports from prospect guys have been AAA isn't AAA of the past. Like, it's not – with the year off and the weird year and just some of the, like, really nothing veterans that are down in minor league ball. Um, the it's all taxi squad, basically, not, right? Like, it's just not a good caliber of baseball. So – with that being the case, I mean, you know, Jacob Wagesback is striking out 11.25 per nine. Um, so if I, if I grade everything on the Wagesback curve, then like, okay, some of these guys who are striking out 12 per nine, isn't really actually that impressive. Like, so I don't know how to assess these guys based on ERA, based on strikeouts, because even the, the bit of triple a ball i've watched on uh, milb tv um yeah i mean you just watch it and you're like whoa this doesn't look close to major league baseball caliber that you know defenders are terrible like hitters are not all that talented it's like there's two or three guys who are interesting in a lineup and everyone else is just a scrub so um I, this is kind of one of those i'll defer to the team situations like they they have eyes on those guys and they have data on those guys 
for me, when it comes to relievers, stuff plays. So if the guys are throwing hard, if they've got, you know, off-speed pitches that are dancing and really doing impressive things, I think those are the reasons to bring a guy up, opposed to maybe an ERA that looks a little flashy. Um, and like you said, the 40-man roster is an issue. Like, they've just had to add so many guys to it, and the 60-man roster, or 60-man, 60-day uh, injury list, sorry, um, is pretty stacked now, too, eventually. you got to bring back guys like Kirk and and uh, Merriweather, possibly, hopefully, maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the report this week was he might be two weeks away. Wow. Wild. And I don't buy it at all, but like no. that sounded encouraging because before that we were just like, is he dead? Is he ever coming back? We're back, so we're back to score one with Julia Merriweather where it's like, is he actually a real guy? Are we sure <laughs> this is a real guy? Moderately interesting or like brought hope to me a little bit, but um, yeah, I, I, it's interesting. I, I'd be curious to know just some of the pitch data and some of the, some of the stuff these guys in the minor leagues have. Um, and you did mention Connor Overton. He was an interesting story. He was a Blue Jays prospect before. He was just a minor league free agent. And he threw his dad out there on uh, online, all his rap Soto stuff, and ended up getting the uh, getting the Jays to bring him back. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of fits the line of, like, do something. Like, just who cares what it is? Just do something. Um, but also that's how you get Jeremy Beasley's on the roster. <laughs> and, uh, boy, he, he looked great today. Just missed giving up a big home run. Still loaded the bases and then let a run in. Um, yeah, man, fun talking about the bullpen. Yeah, depressing stuff. So one more name to bring up. Obviously, you said stuff plays in the bullpen. And there's one guy in AAA who has fantastic stuff. We all know he does. It's Nate Pearson. Mm-hmm. He just had on Wednesday probably his best start of the year, which was incredibly encouraging. It was six innings, only two hits, uh, one of which was a home run. There was two earned runs. And then probably most importantly, only two walks, which is really good, but also only three strikeouts, which eh, isn't the best. Do you think it would be prudent for the Blue Jays to bring up Pearson as a reliever, or do you think they should just let him ride it out as a starter and he'll eventually potentially become a starting option for the team later this year? I think he's one of the guys that you need to play the long-term game with. Um, if Nate Pearson's minor league history had more innings in the past, then I'd be more into, you know, using him in a way where he's helping the big league club, but his entire career, he just has barely thrown innings. So if you ever have hope of him being a starting pitcher in the majors long-term, he needs to have one year where he actually gets to hundred, 120 innings. And if you put him in the bullpen now, then he is another stunted innings year. So um, if that's the move this year and let's say he gets, you know, 60 innings on the season, then now you're going into next year and you're wanting to make him a starter, but what's his limit? Does he have an inning cap of like 110? Right. So then, then how do you do that? And then the next year, he's still not built up to 200. So if, if the idea that he is a rotation stalwart, the team still sees him as that and figure he can develop as that he's one of the guys you just got to play the long term. Um, game with and it doesn't uh, he, he would be one of the guys who could help I think he I think he'd be effective um, because the stuff plays especially in a reliever role um, but man that feels like it's getting dangerously close to closing the book on him as a starter and uh, I, I just don't I don't see that as being a good move for the Jays uh, no. especially if they're not going to win the division this year so do you do you completely throw off his development for, you know, a third straight, fourth straight year so that you can get into the wild card game with his, him as your seventh inning guy. Like I just, it doesn't seem worth it. Um, if the Jays are still in it in contention, you know, late August and Pearson's pitched every five days and is getting five to seven innings and outing and he's built up. 
then make that move. Absolutely. But he just needs to get that base behind him first. So actually an interesting thing, and I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about this, but since you, you kind of bring it up, you say, you know, they're not going to win the division this year. It seems very unlikely. Tampa Bay is killing it. They look fantastic. The Jays, you know, are a bit of a disaster. It's like, yeah, of course they can still make the playoffs, but winning the division seems like a bit of a stretch. But if we're in a position now where it's still a uh, developmental year and you don't want to throw Pearson in that situation, at what point for you then do you consider, rather than the Blue Jays being buyers, being sellers? Like you have two pretty key impending free agents that, you know, we've already talked about how difficult the buyer market will be for a team like the Jays, for example. You know, bullpen's a disaster. Everybody wants to fleece them. How hard could the Blue Jays fleece a team for Marcus Semien right now or Robbie Ray right now, specifically those two guys? At what point uh, do you consider that? Yeah, I mean, valuable dudes for sure. Um, I, I, the context of the season will dictate that, in my opinion. Like, they're nowhere close to deciding that they're sellers, right? And boy, like, things have gone really unfortunately wrong if we're, if we're getting to that point. Um, and man, like, I just, I'm so excited to see like 10 games against the Orioles in the span of three weeks. Like, like, let's say they go eight and two against them. Right. Then Mm -hmm. that alone gets them seven above 500 from where they're at now. And they still have other games against weak teams in this run here too. So as dire as it is, and as like, as the circumstances have led to us discussing selling, I don't think it's in the cards, but look, like things can go sideways and selling can be an option. And if the Jays do that, they have one-year assets that are very interesting on the trade market. So um, certainly like the context of the season will determine what the Blue Jays do the very last week of July. Uh, But certainly I don't think they're making any kind of decisions about that until they're kind of the very end of of, uh, their trading window in, in July there. So one more thing, I know you wanted to talk about this before we get into your positives, and I'm very excited to see how you draw positives from this series. I, I, I really, truly am. Uh, one thing you wanted to get into was Charlie Montoyo. You were one of the many, many, many people who was upset with Charlie specifically for what went down on Wednesday. Yeah, so a couple things. I do think a lot of people overstate the impact a manager can have on a game. Um, and anytime a bullpen loses, there's shots being thrown at a, at a manager. And there's a lot of context behind the scenes, who's available, what could have happened that play into it. Um, so I do think managers in general get too much heat. Um, going back to the last Red Sox game, hated how he handled the ninth inning there with Delise. Um, That's when I was heated. That's when I was just like angry at his decision-making. Yesterday um, was weird because I'm typically not like, like emotional narrative guy when it comes to a manager. I'm like, look, like some managers are fiery and some aren't. And really how the team views a manager, how the players view a manager is what's important. So as much as we want to see a, a, you know, a guy get tossed once a week, if it's not the guy's personality, it doesn't mean he's a bad manager or bad at it. Um, But there's a couple of times now where I'm like, I'm looking at Charlie and I'm like, man, like just read the room. Like just, just get a feel for the situation. I get this isn't your personality, but Things are tough right now. Your, your team is in a slog. Emotions are down. People aren't feeling good. And there's a blatant, terrible call in Wednesday night's game in the ninth inning by an umpire. It's not reversible via video, um, but it doesn't matter. The, the team knows that a terrible call was made and it definitely impacted the game. Uh, the, the Blue Jays tie the game if the call wasn't made and potentially win it. And instead, they end up getting knocked out of the inning um, and, and lose the game. So... 
that's a time where Charlie's just got to lose it a little bit. Um, and again, I don't like being the guy who says that's how it has yeah. to be. And I don't mind that he doesn't get tossed much, but like read the room, right? Going back to Monday, Vladdy hits a big emotion boost home run. Like just like an, Oh my goodness. Fourth home run in four days in Fenway park over the monster into the night sky. And you bring in Delise against the two, three, four, like struggling and slow on the mound. And he's walking like seven per nine. I'm like, man, like Charlie, your team just like clawed back in this, in this really difficult game. And your immediate decision two minutes later is to bring in a struggling relief pitcher against the elite bats and giving some old school answer of, well, it's because we're the road team. So we got to save our closer. Like it just, you know, read the situation. You don't always got to use your closer in that situation. It is a long season, but like, you know, the emotions of the Vladi home run and a chance to really like get back in the game and, and get it to the 10th on Monday and on Wednesday, like just a chance to show your team you really care in that way. And again, behind the scenes, the team probably feels like he cares, but he just looks really resigned and defeated right now. Um, and then today, like the team just started ugly and they looked uh-huh. resigned and defeated. And sometimes the manager can play into that. Um, so I don't know how too strongly to hit that point, but I didn't love it. Would have liked to seen, I think that's one of the first times I'm like, yes, like Charlie, this is the time to lose it. And as a side note, Lord is Guriel not losing it. Shocking. I couldn't believe it. He didn't hit the ball. And if anybody knows that it's him, because when you're swinging at hundred miles an hour, even if you nick it, you know, you hit the ball. Yeah. So how he's not like gesturing for the base runners to move. He could have influenced the umpires there because the home plate umpire never actually made a call. He got hit by the ball, stumbled and didn't make a call. So yes, they eventually got to like you know, a foul ball just because the mannerisms of everybody kind of acted like it was the foul ball. But if the mannerisms were different, I actually think he could have influenced the umpire huddle. So just just poor kind of presentation by the team yesterday. Uh-huh. It's just weird. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I just – it'd be nice if something went the Jays' way. You know, Aaron Judge robbing a home run today. Terrible call yesterday against Raldis Chapman after getting two hits in a row off of him to start the inning. Um, man, the vibes. The vibes are bad. The vibes, vibes are, are terrible. Bad. The the Everything feels way too casual, way too – way too down right now. I mean, like – yeah, I don't disagree. Like, I, I, I don't, I personally don't think the manager is a huge, huge, you know, game changer, really. Like, I, mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, Charlie had done X, Y, and Z differently. They'd have 17 more wins this season. Like, right. he's directly responsible for these losses. No, it's like, you know, the, the bullpen sucks and that's why they're losing games. But no, I 100% agree. Um, it's, 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 it's wild to me that he didn't go and freak out in the ninth inning on, on Wednesday's game. It's crazy. I mean, the team. Okay. Like, Oh, sorry. That's not reviewable. Oh, all right. Yeah. So all right, well, go freak out. Yeah, like just turn around, waltz back to the dugout and stand there with a bit of a body race. Like, cool. All right. Yeah. Thanks, thanks man. You, you know, sometimes it's just, you got to find a way to spark the team and it sounds corny and it does sound like. I hate it. I hate the sound it of it. Corny. But like, this is one of the first times I've ever been in this spot where I'm like, man, just, just, Start right. you know, spitting, like just to start yelling so loud that spits flying out of your mouth and just beat that guy for 30 seconds. Is a yeah, exactly. Baby beer nature. And it, it, I feel like it, honestly, since he's such a chill guy and it never happens, it really would have a massive effect. Like, you know, Toronto is a hockey market, obviously, as is Canada in general. So Jay's fandom is very hockey-ish. So that's where we get this obsession with 
the emotional manager. That's why everyone resonated with John Gibbons. He got kicked out every week and it was great. It was exciting. It was fun. Old school manager, hockey manager. And, you know, people want that from Charlie. And I do think that there's a big psychological aspect to sports. And it does seem like, you know, you got a whole bunch of young guys on this team and they, I think really thought they were going to come into this season after what they accomplished last year. They, you know, they had a pretty good year. They made the playoffs, albeit in the expanded field, but it, it did seem like they had this swagger where they were going to come in and be really good. And they, you know, they've lost a bunch of games in a row now and it's been ugly and I feel like they're down and it's like, there's only so much you can do to get your guys back up. And maybe that's the thing, but it didn't happen. And here we are. Charlie will probably never get booted from a game. Just not something I expect to see. It's just not who he is. Anyways, that's a lot of Charlie talk. So we should move on to your three positives from this sweep against the New York Yankees. Give us three good things that make us feel happy and warm inside because that was terrible. Russ Stripling is good now. Like that's weird. How? He pitched almost six and two thirds, three hits, nine strikeouts against the Yankees who aren't the Yankees of old, like not a great offense, but like in the band box of Buffalo, Ross Stripling is pitching well. He's also an elite apologer. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he freaked out. He freaked, yeah, out. freaked out on the field as, like, as intensely as I've ever seen. It was insane. Uh, freak out at a player, and especially a veteran one like Joe Panic. Um, I only kind of, kind of saw it happening because I was, you know, working while that was happening. So I didn't realize how intense it was until a little while later. Um, but then, you know, Ross Stripling. Uh, Pops on to uh, the, the Zoom call with the media, elite apology. Pops on to Twitter, elite apology. It's a good lesson for everybody, whether it's sports, doesn't matter what it is. Just own it. Own it over the top. Like, hey, man, that's like the worst thing I've ever done. I can't believe I did that. What a loser I am. And then people are like, oh, congratulations, man. You're really good at this. Like, just apologize. When you do something stupid, just own it. And that helps That helps uh, the public perception go away real quick. It's true. So that's one thing. Uh, yeah. Got a, got a good Ross Tripling now. That's a win. He's, like, he's so the ace of the staff. <laughs> it's so weird. I, honestly, the fact that they're one game under 500 with like Stripling dealing and Alec Manoa has oh, got yeah. a DRA under three and Ryu, though not Ryu of last year, is still like at least managing to put in innings. Um, and Robbie Ray, right? And Matt's is a serviceable four or five. Like the rotation's good, maybe. Like it might actually be good. And the offense is elite without Springer and he's coming back and yet they're one game under 500 because of the most volatile elements of a team, the stupid bullpen. Um, so up number two, cause you made me come up with three, uh, Kevin Biggio was possibly like a little bit of return to some of the good things he's done in the past. So he got robbed of a home run today. I hit one off Garrett Cole to left center, which was really impressive. Um, uh, he had another hit today on top of the, the home run robbery. So, I mean, We've, we've seen the top six in the lineup really perform this year and the bottom three be pretty much a black hole with him being able to hit a little bit. Guriel kind of improving George Springer coming back. Alejandro Kirk's back in two weeks. Like we're not that far from a lineup that actually is nine deep or maybe eight deep. Um, and that matters as much as people look at the bullpen and be like, that's bad. So it needs to get better. If you get better at hitting, then the bullpen has less narrow leads to hold and they've got more larger leads to hold. So you can get better in a number of ways, even if you're not improving your biggest weakness. The full 2015, um, so, full 2015 style, just like absolutely. 10 runs per game and you'll be fine. 
So yeah, Kevin Biggio, if he's in the eight hole and just able to get on base and take his walks and occasional home runs works for me. Um, and the third up George Springer in rehab games appeared in his third straight today, which was good. Um, DH yesterday, like five innings in the field, uh, first game, DH second game, and then eight innings in the field, I believe today. So the fact he did that three days in a row is encouraging. Um, he looks healthy. He, you know, hustled out a, a double um, and then ended up having to dive back into second base and then the wild throw and he went to third. He looks like he's moving as he should. Um, I don't think his minor league numbers are great. I don't think that matters at all. He also nearly hit a home run that was caught right at the wall. So, um, yeah, I mean, just he seems to be healthy. The progress seems to be there. Um, and, yeah, man, George Springer is actually going to be a Blue Jay uh, pretty soon, it seems like. That's exciting. That is exciting. So, yeah, it's – it's um. Like I just said, it's going to be maybe we just have to 2015 this thing and the bullpen's not going to come around for a while and we're going to score a whole bunch of runs. And that's possible because not only is George Springer coming back, they are playing some bad, bad, bad teams. So next up, for the first time all season, we get to see the 2021 rendition of the Baltimore Orioles, which is exciting because they suck. And then kind of this whole little stretch they have finishing off the month of June features 12 games against the Orioles, Miami, the Mariners. And the Mariners aren't that bad, but you know, they're pretty bad. And then the Orioles again. So they're they're pretty bad. They're not, you know, automatic win bad, but they're bad. You know, Mariners are the inverse blue Jays because they can't do anything, (laughs) but their bullpen is good. Just merge them together into one team. Speaking of bullpen volatility, Mariners bullpen was off last year. This offseason, they maybe spent like $6 million on the bullpen in total, and now they're good. Like the bullpen is just so random that if you're going to spend big money in the offseason, like, yes, add Springer, add Semyon, and just kind of hope that the bullpen works out. And the Jays have seen like the fifth percentile outcome of that this year, but I don't think the strategy was all that bad. They had some nice arms, and it just hasn't worked out. But as you said, if they're going to 2015 this thing, uh, tomorrow they face Bruce Zimmerman, which uh, a 4.83 ERA, which is elite if you're a Baltimore Oriole pitcher. <laughs> the next day, Dean Kramer, 6.65 ERA. The next day, the corpse of Matt Harvey is starting off. Matt Harvey is still in the league. Seven six seven seven six ERA in Camden Yards. What? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is facing those three pitchers in Camden Yards. So yes, that's 2015. This I time. had no idea that Matt Harvey was still pitching. None. Exactly. That is shocking. He struggled so bad lately. I've just been like, fingers crossed, like, please let him survive till the Blue Jays series. Like, he's on the brink of his career ending, but let us get one. How is he? Like, he hasn't been good since the last World Series game he pitched in 2015. Was that like his last good start? Like, what? Either have the Baltimore Orioles. That's incredible. Wow. So, looking at this 12 game stretch, Baltimore, Miami, Seattle, Baltimore again. 12 games. What do you feel like they have to do record-wise in order for us not to be completely slamming the panic button at the end of June? Because after that 12-game stretch, they're playing Tampa. And Tampa's good. Yeah. I, I think the minimum is you, you got to go 8-4, right? Yeah. Which, which even that feels short, but like that's got to be the minimum. And when you're talking baseball, I mean, bad teams beat good teams. Um, eight and four is winning two out of every three games. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the bar for, you got to do at least that, but if they can, if they can come up with like a, a 10 run here, um, which feels just 
bizarre to say when it feels like nothing is possible with this team right now, which is so depressing, but I mean, it's a weird sport, right? And teams turn it around real quick and the Baltimore Orioles are a fantastic magic elixir for turning things around. So yeah, yeah let's, let's make it start tomorrow. Um, Camden yards, man, there's, there's some hitters that I want to see go off in that ballpark because that team can't pitch and that ballpark can't hold in home runs. So um, yeah, it's time hit the ball. This is the perfect time. I mean, it's very easy to forget what just happened. If they go ahead and sweep the yards, you know, we've, I know, you know, the, these games against like um, when Tyler and I were talking about what our expectations were for this seven game stretch against Boston and New York, I was hoping for five and two, we got two and five. So that's really ugly. You pretty much have to sweep the Orioles to compensate. Like, oh man, it could like they could have been six and one. Like if, oh yeah, jeez. Anyways, yeah. Hey, let's talk about the bullpen again. No, that is painful, painful, painful stretch of games here. My goodness. So we're not hitting the panic button until after this twelve game stretch is over, and they do poorly. If they go and do a ten and two, none of this happened. It doesn't matter. We're feeling really good, and then all of a sudden it's July, and you can start making some trades. And everything's cool. But if they do bad in this stretch and they go six and six, then woof, because, you know, you got the Rays coming up right after that too. So you're going to need to pick up some ground right here. And if they don't, then it's time to start worrying, I think. I think. Yep, absolutely. Cool. Well, I guess that's that. That was a covered a lot there. There's a lot of stuff going on, but yeah, let's hope the trash birds do what the trash birds do, which is be trash. Anyways, get the vibes back, man. let's get those vibes back. It's time. Anyways, uh, thank you, BK, for joining me. That was a, that was a pleasure. I think I, I actually quite enjoyed doing the host thing this time. That was uh, it was pretty fun. Actually. I felt like a real professional radio guy, just like Tyler does. Cause I really, uh, I really look up to Tyler. He's uh, he's my idol. Um, so uh, learning from the best, <laughs> learning from the absolute best. That's right. That's a, it was a really exciting experience for me. Anyways, thank you so much for coming on. You enjoy your weekend and enjoy watching the Blue Jays. Hopefully kick the shit out of the Baltimore Orioles because we need it. Desperately. Absolutely. Thanks, Cam. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.